Hi, I'm Ashley Nichols. And I'm Casey Boyd-Swan. We're podcasting from Northeast Ohio. This is the Growing Democracy Podcast, a space for citizens, experts, and advocates to create community together. Each week, we invite a guest to talk about civic engagement, governance, and how to grow our democracy. This episode is part of a series on demystifying policy-relevant research. We're talking with academics throughout Northeast Ohio in a range of fields, from public health scholars, sociologists, criminologists, political scientists, and more. We're trying to unpack how expertise is developed, how research gets made, and why this is policy-relevant work. This is a collaborative series with support from the Northeast Ohio chapter of the Scholar Strategy Network. The Northeast Ohio chapter of the Scholar Strategy Network was launched in 2017 to bring together local university-based scholars who are committed to using and sharing research to improve policy and strengthen democracy. If you want to be involved in the podcast and get behind-the-scenes content about each episode, head on over to patreon.com slash growingdemocracyoh. One of the things that uh, I think that our listeners will really connect with for today's episode is thinking about supply chain management. And I know during the pandemic, it's been something that people actually uh, started to get a some sort of understanding about, um, about how, hey, you know, I can't get something. And right. why is it that I can't get it? <laughs> right. Right. I mean, I mean, it, you know, it's something that it's so um, to, to borrow from some policy literature submerged, right? You don't, it's not something you see every day or think about every day, but when all of a sudden you can't get something. Toilet paper. Um, <laughs> Playstations. PlayStation. None of the PlayStation. <laughs> yeah. The bread, you know, all of a sudden uh, you're paying attention to, to why. Right. Um, and I think that thinking about supply chain management this process, it is a process that isn't very visible. And and then and then thinking about it in the context of, you know, broader implications. Right. Especially humanitarian implications. Right. right. Yeah, exactly. Like social it's one thing, sustainability. It's one thing if you can't get a PlayStation 5, right? Uh it's, yeah, fair. It's a wholly <laughs> different thing uh, if you can't get access to food, right? Right. So food bank supply chains, uh, you know, those those are an issue that are, I mean, we've explored it here on the podcast. Yeah. I mean, thinking back to our very first episode, we were talking about being able to make sure that there was enough food accessible to people who needed it in at the beginning of the pandemic. Right. And today we dig even a little bit further uh, into thinking about uh, sustainability, but also, uh, you know, social equity and social justice by, uh, you know, thinking about conflict mineral disclosures and what those are. <laughs> right. And, and like how uh, that's a part of kind of supply chain. Right. We've made these policy decisions here that um, maybe people don't even know about it, but they do have an impact on on supply chain decisions and how you as a consumer ultimately right, can, can have access to, to certain products or not. Right. And so that it kind of, if I dare say, kind of democratizing the marketplace <laughs> and being able to say, I'm going to make a decision about whether or not I purchased something that was or was not, you know, using conflict minerals, like using something that has or doesn't have, you know, humanitarian impacts um, right. in other parts of the world. 
Right. And, and, and the, and the flip side of that is that as right policy is made and more people become aware of uh, issues that, that they didn't really just know about before, it also kind of holds some corporate uh, feet to the fire yeah, and, and, and starts to develop, you know, this demand for corporate social responsibility, uh, which, which you've also talked about a bit here on the podcast. Absolutely. So um, this episode we're really excited um, to share with you um, is with Dr. Jay Yi, uh, goes by Jay Chen. He is an associate professor in operations and supply chain management at Cleveland State University. His recent research lies at the interface of marketing and operations management with a focus on responsible sourcing, supply chain transparency, and sustainability. He teaches business analytics and advises regional medical centers, as well as manufacturing companies. All right, Jay, thanks so much for joining us. Now, I I know that Ashley just read your bio, but we would like to hear from you uh, a little bit about yourself and who you are and, and, you know, what brought you here. Yeah, okay. Um, I'm Jenny Chen, uh, Associate Professor of Operations and Supply Chain Management at Cleveland State University. Uh, I go by Jay or Dr. Jay uh, for my students. Um, I, um, I was originally from Taiwan, um, where I help implement IT solutions, um, especially um, production planning uh, in the semiconductor industry, which is what Taiwan is mostly famous for. Yeah, still nowadays. And uh, I came to the States, yeah, in 2004 to pursue my uh, master's degree in, in industrial engineering. And then... Um, uh, got my PhD uh, 2011 uh, from Purdue University in operations management. And yeah, joined CSU as my first job and still my job now. So, yeah, uh, 10 years ago, um, soon after I graduated, I've been enjoying the journey so far. Yeah, so that's kind of the brief background. Yeah, I have. That's fantastic. I love like working in the field, getting your degree in engineering, going and working in operations management, now working in in higher ed, um, teaching research and all that. I love it. Um, So you were invited on the podcast today um, as part of our collaboration with the Scholar Strategy Network of Northeast Ohio. And you were a grant recipient, right? Um, Mm. It was uh, part of their Amplify and Apply grant last year. And from my understanding, you were focusing on supply chain disclosures, specifically related to Dodd-Frank section 1502, Mm. um, which is specific to uh, conflict minerals disclosures. Okay. So there's a lot there, right? Dodd-Frank, conflict minerals, supply chain disclosures. Can you tell us a little bit about this research project and how you came to study this topic? Yeah, so um, the term uh, conflict minerals uh, as defined by the this um, U.S. regulations includes um, metals. Uh, they are uh, tantalum, tin, uh, tungsten, and gold. Sometimes referred to as three uh, TGs uh, by downstream uh, companies, and these are used to manufacture lots of yeah uh, consumer electronics and among other uh, wide variety of products. And then in the rules, yeah, in the SEC rules, the companies, yeah, public company, uh, listed company, they are required to disclose 
uh, whether these minerals they they purchase uh, or use in their products are conflict free or not. And by conflict free, uh, what it means is that whether they directly or indirectly uh, benefits uh, armed groups. Yeah, in uh, some countries like uh, Democratic Republic of Congo and some uh, adjoining countries, uh, where like this violence actually uh, create lots of lots of problems, human rights issues, and so so um, yeah, that's where like the the regulation first come from, and it's related to supply chain. The research uh, project that I um, received the grant for, uh, I'm trying to study uh, the fact that this yeah uh, of the disclosure. Uh, again, we always have some intention when we um, yeah pass some laws, and we like to see how it had been doing so far since its uh, inaugural year, two thousand fourteen. And the conversation had been started yeah even a couple of years back then. So I mean, it's, it's a more than a ten year journey, I would say yeah for for many companies. So and then it also come to my uh, uh, interest yeah for this is because. My research, yeah, kind of cover one of the um, area I cover is uh, supply chain transparency and responsible sourcing. So uh, while many, um, I would say, focus of supply chain management is try to make sure the quality and the cost being managed that well, which is pretty much the main focus, yeah, thus far. Um, but I think uh, more and more um, consumers, yeah, are caring about another dimension is that, yeah, the provenance uh, of how we get them, yeah, and whether they are being made ethically or not, yeah. Today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, your work is so interesting um, as somebody that's interested in policy because there are so many dimensions related to it. So now the series in particular focuses on demystifying politics and policy. And, you know, sometimes the processes involved in creating the policy or in implementing the policy, but also in how we kind of evaluate uh, what the policy is doing. So I'm curious, what is it that you learned during the course of this project that you think our listeners would find important? You know, kind of more specifically thinking about what did you learn about Dodd-Frank disclosures and why this is important in the context of conflict mineral supply chain? Yeah, so the good questions. I, I guess there, there, there are lots of learns, yeah, during the journey. Most of my words are uh, theoretical. Um, so I don't need to kind of uh, investigate uh, data um, until, yeah, really th- this this project. So it's kind of eye opening to me is that um, what's being said and done uh, in textbook really um, requires some really uh, tunings. Yeah, I mean to the very least uh, before it apply to the real world. So um, for what I, I would say is that. Um, the implementation and the designs of the regulation can be much further improved because this type of regulations will be needed more in the future. Uh, to be most of the sakes, yeah, there are two things I would like to share is that uh, first, it's a lack of standardized report um, that's understandable to the general audience, target audience, yeah. And the second one is that the lack of punishments, yeah, uh, if, if companies, um, they do not comply with this. So to give you more specific ideas about this, yeah, the the progress of the disclosure haven't been that impressive uh, over time, except for the first uh, two years, yeah. So when it was first in acts uh, back in 2014, again, we were expecting like probably not a full transparency uh, type of thing, but to many surprise, only 80%, sorry, only 20% 
are certain about their supply chain's provenance. Yeah. Uh, so the remaining 80% remains, yeah, they say undetermined. And and actually the regulation give them two years kind of probation, uh, professional periods uh, for small company and big company additional two years. Yeah. Like so that they have time to work the kinks out. But what we have been seeing, like rolling back 2014 and then fast forwards, yeah, this many years, the undetermined, uh, undetermined rates from 80%, now we are getting around like, yeah, uh, 50 to 40%-ish. And um, to, to many surprise, okay, uh, so I mean, still about half, yeah. Uh, until this day, they cannot say 100%. They are sure. Um, and they, they have reasons that extensive yeah, supply chain. But it's just to give you an example, the context of that. Um, the big four uh, tech companies that's, yeah, our friend that is Alphabet's, Google's parent company, Apple, Amazon, and Facebook. Yeah, they are the constant visitor to the, uh, to the Congress, I guess. Only one of them out of four actually can 100% sure their um, supply chain is conflict-free. The others, yeah, would uh, cite reasons, yeah, um, they, they, they just, yeah, cannot 100%, yeah, uh, sure, that, that's the case. So uh, if you've got big companies like this, yeah, and I mean, the, the percentage is below, yeah, the average, which is kind of eye-opening to me. So, yeah, so this, these are the things really, I, I think, things out of good intention, I think that's all what we want, and it just in terms of design and executions, yeah, it didn't turn out to be what we want it to be. Um, and, and many countries, yeah, besides U.S. are gearing toward this, yeah, European uh, Union. Um, it's the second, I think they launched it, yeah, starting this year for their own conflict mineral disclosure rules. Uh, slightly differently, but I think it's kind of fixed a few things that, yeah, I, I observe here. So I, I may have some other things I can chime in later on, yeah, but... I think these are the best things. Things like not designed and got implemented right, um, you, you could you could face yeah uh, similar things yeah just just down the road. So we, we would like to really uh, in operations our supply chain fields. It's um, we are constantly evolving. So um, what we want is to get some lesson learned yeah from this yeah very costly implementations and then save time because again the energy and money that can be saved. They may be directly contributed back, yeah, to the good courses here, yeah. Yeah, I, I just real quickly, which one of the four? I totally was going to ask that too. <laughs> I was like, now I'm interested. I, uh, it, uh, yeah, it, it's actually Apple. Yeah, so um, Apple. Oh, really? Yeah, they they uh, tried to um, make sure. I, I think there wasn't the the cleanest to 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 begin with. Yeah, I think they they have their own issue back in the day, right? The the suicidal from their tier one Foxconn, yet another Taiwanese yeah, um, company. And um, so it, it took them a long way. Um, if you think about that, prior to that, they didn't want to release um, their supplier's information. Yeah, it, it took them yeah, some really pop, highly popularized issue. So, yeah, and then we constantly learn this. Yeah, so, so Apple is the one. Yeah, short answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> interesting, interesting. Good to know. Yeah. Okay. So now, because we have you as a captive audience to our questions here, I feel really lucky because there are two things that you know, you've brought up that are just all over the news right now. Uh, the first is Taiwan, and the second is supply chain issues. So I'm wondering if I can kind of broaden the focus of questions real quickly to kind of dig into some supply chain issues that, I mean, really everybody now, I think, <laughs> in 2020 and 
2021 has become interested in supply chains. So now you're an expert here. Can you help us understand what's happening right now with, uh, you know, some issues? Like, so for instance, it's, it's so difficult to get new game consoles like a PS5. I went to buy a new car. There were maybe a dozen on the lot and, you know, the, and dealerships are telling you, oh, well, we just don't have any coming in. Uh, even furniture, furniture that I purchased is months delayed. So w- what are the problems going on uh, with the current supply chain that are creating these issues? And is it you know, really just an issue of transportation or is there something else that's happening? Yeah, um, and, and in fact, like, I think that's uh, as, as we talk uh, briefly um, before the, the, the shows, um, that's what's keep, been keeping me busy uh, for, uh, for the past year, basically. So, so what, one big thing, yeah, um, is that um, over the past few decades, yeah, supply chain have been uh, driven to be more uh, efficient, yeah, um, to what that ends. I mean, by efficiency, yeah, it, it means like um, cost reductions and then so, uh, so it become lengthier and then become more dependent, yeah, and globalized, yeah, in, in, in a way. So, and it's just like any uh, disturbance, yeah, uh, happen here or there actually affect the whole, the global economy. Uh, so that's uh, everything got tangled. Yeah, we, we cannot really uh, having kind of isolated, yeah. Like you can quarantine something, right? You can quarantine the uh, the virus, yeah, uh, in certain places, lockdown. But yeah, the the problem with yeah supply chain is that you, you cannot really quarantine. It's just so globalized nowadays. So um, that that is that's really one thing become because so mobiles, yeah. Um, uh, and the other thing is yeah the change in terms of demand. So we have seen yeah not just like how. How we consume, we see a research, yeah, in terms of demands, um, upon like cars, for example, uh, the work from home, lots of electronic gadgets, yeah, including the console, uh, playing games and then so on. But it's also a shift of how we buy stuff, yeah, as well. So say, for example, um, because of lockdown, stay from home, work from home, the restaurant, like the face to face type of hospitality, restaurants, hotel, they see some changes. Like the the um, it used to be a lots of yeah this um, B two C type of business, for example, lots of yeah uh, food supply chain, agricultural supply chains actually not just go to the grocery store. Lots of them actually have the spoke yeah uh, supply chain operation design. They geared to what helping the commercial business. But think about that. Yeah, what the pandemic has changed is so big is that well the B two B part is really gone quite a bit. Uh, lots of us work from home. So the things that we order actually um they can't have to come directly. So that create a lots of lots of yeah reconfigurations of yeah a supply chain. And think about like these things have been set up for so for years. Um I mean if you give an example if, if your house yeah was not designed uh, at the very beginning as work from home that people like say, sorry, like, you know what, we have to work from home. They have a hard time finding a place to like, I, I, I heard early stories about they have a huge uh, kitchen islands. Yeah. Or, like bottle kids. Yeah. That's and then so on. So they kind of change in terms of demands and then the supply chain being configured so far, uh, create lots of mismatch. And um, so that's one thing. Another one is I would uh, uh, um, say that it's about like this uncertainty um, have been kind of been increasing. It's just like COVID, the pandemic actually just expedited the whole thing. Uh, Like, for example, I mean, we we, we have been seeing one of the big things is labor shortage. And lots of people at a high level 
Fed, uh, Federal Reserve, yeah, they they also foresee this to be happening, but maybe in a ten, ten year time frame, like kind of lots of people will start retiring and then so on. But um, this pandemic just basically um, a lot of people just feel like you know what, it's, it's not worth that. Yeah, if if we we think it's safe enough, yeah, then we just um, yeah we we just not returning back. So um, yeah, that's a couple of things come together and. The, uh, there's a phenomenon in supply chain we call buhui effects. Um, so we, it's it's kind of uh, analogy. So if you if you have a buhui, and what you do is yeah you gotta handle part. So what it says a small disturbance uh, on the demand end is going to create a lot of va- variations at the tip of the buhui. And we are actually seeing the the I mean in history I guess probably the the biggest yeah uh, in terms of disturbance both in scope and skill. So this is no wonder that, yeah, it's supply chains, it's, it's, it's a mess right now everywhere you see. Yeah, it's very, very difficult yeah, to, to, to coordinate at this point of time. Yeah. Now, I'm curious because, you know, I think the argument could be made that, you know, transportation issues and labor issues could be kind of short-lived. But there's also been a lot of attention called to the issues of um, climate change and how that's affecting our supply chain. So you had talked about, right, uh, Taiwan and and that they are a huge producer of semiconductors. And part of the reason why the facilities there are kind of uh, not producing as much as expected is because of climate change and water issues. I mean, it sounds from like your description, this is kind of a fragile system that we've set up to be really efficient, to be really global. But if climate change is more and more concerning, um, is this kind of going to be the new normal for us or what, what should we expect? Yeah, I, I think company, uh, again, and going back to the climate change, I think the coming week, yeah, uh, the United Nations, they're going to have the, uh, the climate summits. Yeah. So it's just anticipated a lot of countries, yeah, uh, would have to really, especially the developed one, have to chime in. And, and yeah, that's indeed, yeah, uh, the climate change affects a lot, especially agriculture part, like uh, Brazil, for example, the, the, the area that used to be um, suitable for um, growing uh, uh, coffee beans, um, now they actually have to kind of either change their um, the growing uh, techniques or shifting because yeah the, the temperature yeah uh, latitude wise it just it's just not really fitting in that so it's again it's it's kind of reconfiguration of either you up your technology yeah to adapt it to what that's um so so I would say yeah to certain extent yeah we probably in the past to focus upon the cost only. And we've been so used. I was I was surprised that actually, um, even though we got some infractions going on, yeah, recently, but still something like in in the past decades, you see like a lot of apparels become cheaper and cheaper. The fast fashion, for example, we kind of been abusing a little bit, and then I think the the, the environment is fighting back. Is that yeah, it is limited. Yeah, natural resources is limited. Yeah, and and it's kind of a wake up call for us to say like you know what. We cannot constantly demanding abundance, yeah, um, assuming like if you have the wealth of doing this. But I mean, that's actually a bigger scene of, yeah, where like we are sitting in right ends. It's, it's, it's our modern nature, which we've been seeing this, yeah, um, the climates ever since I came to the state in 2004. 
I have never seen like most recent year being very, very extreme. Yeah. Tornado in Northeast Ohio. Gee. Yeah. <laughs> never seen that before. <laughs> yeah. And I am, um, you know, to that point, I mean, I, I don't, I, you know, in my brain, not somebody who is an expert in supply chain management, as you're talking, I'm definitely hearing, you know, references to climate change, environmental impact is not dissimilar to the work that you were doing um, on, you know, conflict minerals and environmental justice issues there and human rights issues there. I am trained in policy and politics. And so my question for you actually is coming from my own bias and my own kind of frame of reference. You know, so you're not officially trained in policy and politics, though your work is so deeply connected to these questions about regulations and enforcement of these regulations that are relevant to environmental issues, climate change issues, human right issues. What drew you to doing this type of policy relevant work? Yeah, interesting questions. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, supply chains actually originally started, yeah, as what we call operations management. And what happened is that back in the day, people think that what it, all they need to do is to optimize the internal operations. All right. And then gradually, again, as I told you, we kind of being extended like yeah, our operation outside the four walls yeah, of our um, company's windows or whatever, like the four walls. And that I kind of extending into the supply chain. So again, now we have to talk to our supplier, yeah, because we do now have a supplier, and we do now possibly have yeah um, another customers that is not our end customer actually, right? That they got their own customers, so on. So it start kind of like the the term supply chain management. I think was yeah popping up yeah like uh, two decades ago, and my department uh, changed uh, its names yeah to include supply chain about ten years ago. So going back to your question is that this this kind of umbrella kind of growing yeah bigger and bigger because now we are seeing the supply chain cannot just yeah um, do it by itself. Uh, lots of things yeah got uncertainty um, being dropped up onto the industry. Not really. Uh, you, you have to kind of go back to talk to the maybe the governing bodies um, like the industry. They have to set up some third party in order to assist with uh, all this matters. So if you keep enlarging the considerations of what can potentially affect to operate the supply chain more efficiently, then you start looking into, okay, how about industry-wide? Can we do something, right? So lots of like infrastructure things that Biden administration is going to talk about is to think about where are the things like, for example, the pandemic actually creates a great need for the digital bandwidth that's, yeah, <laughs> we just use tons of, yeah, this network stuff nowadays. And then we are so far behind as compared with some um, later develop, developing country now emerged into developed country. They they kind of have this kind of the, 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 the brown fields into, sorry, green field. They cannot really start something from scratch. Not like us, we have the infrastructure like being being established long ago, didn't expect this to come. We probably budget for another 10 years for this thing to happen, right? And then just kind of overnight, and that's why like kind of the uh, the trillion dollar uh, infrastructures had to come in. So again, yeah, going back to uh, um, Ashley's question is that it's just when you start thinking of bigger and bigger the pictures, yeah, um, those who used to be decision of a single company become your supply chain's decisions, uh, a lot of entities need to. And now, like, if uh, supply chain cannot solve it alone, there are something that is really not, like, 
it's just the roads, the infrastructure is not good. Who do you talk to? And if um, like the confirmed mineral, for example, it is not you alone can do it. I mean, even we talk about Apple, he's probably huge yeah, um, in, in, in the field. But again, it's still account for only a fraction of overall uh, usage of that. So, and that's why I think when we keep expanding the, the focus and then who will be the potential problem solver, we kind of tapping to back, yeah, into like, okay, the, the country leaders and yeah, are like the, the climate things is, gee, um, but I, I would say like, it's, it's more or less like a huge, huge supply chain issue as well. Yeah, no, I mean, as you were talking, I was definitely thinking, right, so I, I, in my head, I wasn't thinking about infrastructure, but that makes so much sense, right? Like as your company expands and as you're thinking about the ability of your organizations to be able to work together, infrastructure is so essential and yep. deeply connected to what we're experiencing right now. But also, the, like the nev- you know, it would seem to me that the negative externalities also expand, right? As you globalize, as your supply chain broadens, the potential for negative externalities for that that government might might want to reduce through yeah. regulations <laughs> um, is also incentivized, right? Like, so anyways, that's one of the, as you were talking, I was like, oh my goodness, this, it's it's all making sense to me in my own brain from my own policy politics <laughs> perspective. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When, when you get to that extent, yeah. And, and I, I guess, yeah, that, that externality is, yeah, where like the government's got to come in because again, I, I, I don't think we'll, we'll we be able to plan that much. Yeah, how company act on their own best interest. What I think the policymaker can do is provide a fair uh, playground, and then um, those who actually uh, react, yeah, and act ethically, uh, really can be rewarded, yeah, can be heard. That's yeah, like now I told you, Apple being, uh, being, being, uh, being one of the four, and then I don't know whether that kind of uh, change people's perception toward that. But I think that's the whole point. What they are trying to do is create some. The original intention is yeah, name and shame. Uh, in in this legal, I mean, they don't establish, and that's the problem. I, I I think if I'm now tying back to that, the policy part is that first of all, it's very difficult to understand who to target to. Even the uh, different government agency, they have questions about because it it's the the disclosure part place is actually um, to go back to SEC's uh, annual um, annual report. It's not on just on the company's website. It is required by SEC to fire along with whatever the, the report they're going to giving back. They're they anticipating investors uh, can 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 understand can review uh, to review them. But um, actually, and that's something that I say I use everything possible I can do, like uh, machine learning, some AI, try to decipher, demystify. I mean, as you used to put it that way, even to me, to be honest. I'm having a hard time compare Apple with Orange because it's very open-ended. And to some extent, I, I wonder whether it's getting to some sometime longer report does not trans- translate into better results. And and, and many people wonder, start wonder like, are they greenwashing? Yeah, um, uh, the investors are customers. And so that's, yeah, um, yeah just not being named and, and, and shamed uh, to a certain extent. The other thing that can be possibly done is that uh, one one reason why they are not company are not they paying attention to is that it's lack of punishments I, I mentioned earlier on. So currently, again, the the only punishments uh, mechanism is yeah being shamed by the publicity. But I don't know the the you two like kind of 
uh, actually, when uh, actually when you read that the uh, conflict mirror, it sounds like really uh, um, I don't know distance or like unfamiliar at all. I, and I wonder, like a uh, general public, how how they perceive this. So these things have been going on for seven years, and that make me wonder if the the target audience they don't understand to really punish not buying the products. How would it be become effective? So um, some suggestions, like for example. Public procurement is actually huge. Yeah, I mean, it accounts for more than 10% of overall GDP. So if this is a public um, policy that we have asked them to disclose, will we be able to actually kind of give some incentives to those who, who do well with this disclosure, right? And then punish a little bit on those, yeah, like say they, like we, we, just, we, we just have so very complicated supply chain. So um, that would actually uh, maybe change a little bit about how companies say, oh, you know what? Maybe the general consumer, they don't, they don't, they don't really have understanding of this. But I think there's no excuse that yeah, our, our governments, yeah, a lot of yeah, uh, public agencies yeah, who actually purchase and buy this electronics, um, they, they, they just kind of, you know what? Um, that's one side of thing that we can potentially consider. Um, so yeah, that's, that's just one example. So now, Jay, I'm, I'm very interested to hear uh, whether you think that the recent attention to supply chain issues might alter um, policies that could be viable in the future that haven't been up until this point. I mean, you talked a lot about, you know, best practices yeah. and things that are happening now uh, where the policy really isn't working well. Yeah. Um, but maybe this, you know, naming and shaming and more attention because of the pandemic actually has opened up a space for us to kind of demand some policy that, that maybe would be feasible now. Yeah, so, so the overarching uh, theme of my research is about transparency, right? And I, I guess it's, it's very difficult to ask, and I don't expect that company to be open 100%. I mean, include trade secrets and everything. Um, so, uh, I mean, going back to the report stuff is that I, I think it's, it's better, again, if you cannot major, if you, you cannot see it, you really cannot regulate and then improve it. So um, where to begin with? And begin, again, I mean, the, all this yeah, supply chain issue tied with uncertainty. So uh, how much visibility? And that's another thing. Like visibility is a, a little bit more, um, I don't know, technical term, but it's similar to transparency. How much uh, would you need to see uh, from, from the outsider's perspective? Yeah, government agency and, and consumer so that we can better assist and help with, with this matter. So I, I guess is that yeah previously it's pretty open ended yeah you don't yeah you just say like you know what we, we need this 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 type of information yet every company interpret a little bit differently especially going to what like this how we see ethics yeah um and that's again the younger generation they they now care more about the purpose uh, uh more than ever uh, when they start working for companies and that's one of the things so. So yeah, if, if I would like to tie back at what my research or my work can maybe help shape a little bit the future regulation is that I think we are seeing more and more transparency, the demand for transparency. Like hospital, for example, we would like to know uh, how much PPEs that we have now. Because again, it's to everyone's surprise that, yeah, we have so little PPE and then lots of supply chain, the source actually come from overseas during lockdown, that's a huge issue that you cannot get things coming in in right time. So um, it, it just as a matter of time. That's how how I wouldn't be surprised that would be 
transparency requirements. And as a matter of fact, I think there's um, there's a hospital price transparency either call it acts or regulation being being passed effectively this year. If you would like to shop shop for um, like potential uh, treatments, you should be able to shop around. Yeah, among clinics. Yeah, amongst Metro Health, yeah, a university hospital, but the problem is that they make, they make it very hard. There's no standard platform they they let you. So I, I have tried that myself before. So I think yeah, it's I think it's of good intention, but it's just like about me. I still find it very hard to utilize uh, in that regard. So so I, I guess what we want is the same thing. Yeah, we know we with this we want more transparency, but again, yeah, you have to start it from like minimum and then start increasing and I think that's a sweet spot that's actually I think yeah all parties yeah it's kind of triple win situations yeah the governments yeah the society the companies yeah they, they all win benefiting from from that like I think a lot of things in supply chain being considered as zero-sum games yeah uh, and uh, unfortunately um, it is something hard to change in, in the end because it, it's all in the past it's all Cosmicalizations, yeah, type of concept, but I think we can start seeing and viewing uh, what other values uh, transparency can uh, can bring to the society and make it more clear, I guess, yeah, to to the general public, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I completely follow that. I mean, I feel like just in general, I think there are calls for greater transparency in lots of places. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so as an academic and uh, doing research outside of politics and policy, but with really important applied implications, right? Do you see your work as part of your civic identity, um, as part of how you kind of give back to society and, and to the political sphere? Yeah, exactly. I I think it's, it's, it's a very resource-constrained situation like we are in right now. What the place is facing, like, I mean, just think about this. I, I actually uh, read about a year ago. So there's a Wall Street uh, article talk about ventilators. Yeah, manufacturer actually also require conflict mineral. And there's actually uh, a commenters actually um, promote to remove, yeah, temporarily the requirement for conflict minerals just because, yeah, we're probably having a hard time getting the parts for ventilator. So it's it's the same thing essentially. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, on the one end, if you let it go, you are leaving a lot of people uh, down in Congo that will be suffering as well. So it's just kind of more immediate, like something we can see right happening here. I bet that I mean there are also something going on in Congo besides just yeah the pandemic. So I I, I guess this yeah this visibility again. I mean, my job I think it's just like kind of make it public for people to see this more. And, and my expertise happened to be actually showcase that, you know, supply chain can be run more efficiently. I mean, we said there's limited resources. Yeah. And just think about, yeah, myself, it's, it's, yeah, it is citizens. Yeah. Um, not just in this country, it's the, the whole, um, whole earth. If you, if you think about that way. So I think we, we do have that. Yeah. To some extent that obligations that's yeah. Um, to help out. And then, I mean, in education, I guess it's also want to be a role model for the younger younger folks coming out. Yeah, I, I want them to have a purpose. Yeah, and then see uh, the life is not just like quality and price. Yeah, that you can tangibly, there might be something intangible that's going a little bit beyond this. Yeah, so hopefully, I mean, this 
doing this would influence, yeah, um, being, I guess, be a model to some extent. <laughs> well, it's really nice because, uh, you know, not everybody's topic gets lots of attention uh, the way that supply chain management <laughs> yeah, fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So last words of wisdom, any big takeaways that if our listeners can take anything away from this, uh, what what are your words of wisdom about what they should take away? So I, I guess one thing that people learned out of this pandemic is that we we. I think we stopped uh, taking supply chains or operations for granted. We used to be like, feel like, yeah, things have to be arrived on our doorsteps. Yeah. I mean, Amazon has done so great. Uh, make it feel like, yeah, it's, it's a painless process to, to make that happen. It's actually very, very costly. I mean, things, yeah, for many, many small, medium size. So I, I guess the, the publics, yeah, can probably start seeing that see supply chain more like a value chain. How we consume everything must come up as a value. Like, for example, I'm, I'm thinking that what we are doing, a lot of companies, we talk about labor shortage, right? And yeah, we know where the bottlenecks yeah, maybe currently happening at the ports. Yeah, we've been constantly receiving like my Christmas uh, presents for my kids. Yeah, maybe sitting on one of the big ships out there and may, but may not be able to get in, into their hands on time. Yet that we still have a lots of companies competing for labors, yeah, and then not working in a coordinated uh, fashion. It only creates more demand. They're going to sucking in more imports, create more congestions. Yeah, so so uh, I, I guess I mean I'm kind of also want to advocate uh, something is I think we have been very abundant country uh, in the states, and I guess there's for lots for us to think about is that yeah, operations can our supply chain can only function so much that's living upon this limited resources. I guess to think about next is that, yeah, um, start just kind of the, the same coming this coming week, yeah, climate change. Do we really need, yeah, this many, many things? Uh, I start like kind of, I cannot imagine like, I'm probably going to downsize big time when I when my daughter kind of, yeah, and kids are out, of, out for college. So, yeah, so I guess... I, I would like to embrace really a more sustainable uh, future. And for that, I think it needs everyone's yeah, um, um, efforts putting in. So more transparency and um, the value of yeah, creating a more what I've got, um, sustainable yeah, operation. So I guess it's everyone's yeah, can, can chime in and help out. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate having you on. Not my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Growing Democracy podcast. I'm Casey Boyd-Swan, and with me as always is my co-host, Ashley Nichols. Our podcast is edited by Jeremy Demery at Golden Ox Studio right here in Cleveland, Ohio. This series is supported by the Northeast Ohio Chapter of Scholar Strategy Network. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our website, growingdemocracyoh.org. If you want to support the podcast, as well as get access to behind-the-scenes content, live chat, and swag featuring designs by Donuts and Coffee, head over to patreon.com slash growingdemocracyoh. Join us next time when we continue this conversation about demystifying policy-relevant research.